What is the soup du jour? It's the soup of the day. Mm. That sounds good. I'll have that. Check it out. Check it out. The intro is still going. And yet I'm talking. Uh. Uh. This is hot. This is hot beat. Hot track. Finally figured out how to do this. Basically swiped it from Anchor. I hope it wasn't illegal what I did. Welcome to Soups on Hockey. The first Soups on Hockey podcast of any kind since June the 12th. I had to look that up. I hope absence in this case made the heart grow fonder, stronger. I think it's fonder. We're back. And for those of you who are fans of the show, I apologize for taking nearly a month off. Uh, definitely was not planned that way. Uh, we were right in the middle. I mean, the, the last time I, t- I did a podcast, uh, we did, me and Trombley did the 99 redraft. We recorded the 2005 redraft. It's done. I just haven't put it out as of yet. I will get around to that. And now JT's swamped right now because things have gotten back to a bit of normalcy for him. Um, things haven't gotten back to normal for myself, but uh, just stuff's come up. Uh, hasn't been a good time to do the podcast. Plus, there's ended up, I've been grinding away doing all my draft stuff, trying to get the final stuff done, trying to start my 2021 stuff. Uh, yeah, I really just hit that hard the last uh, few weeks, and I'm finally done it. Uh, finished it today, which was Monday. This is coming out on Tuesday. I'm recording this at 9.39, apparently, on uh, Monday night. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be gonna be a lot. If you're a draft fan, whoo, stay tuned because I'm going to have my top 64 list. That's the final list I'm doing for the 2020 draft. I'll probably There's probably decisions that I'll make on it that will eat me alive uh, in the coming weeks and months to come. But whatever, I think I'm going to be good with that. If I do make changes, they'll be very slight, and I probably won't do any more write-ups. I'll just basically put, the, put a revised list out rather than talking about players and whatnot um doing a mock draft even though i shouldn't do a mock draft until we know who's picking first i couldn't help myself uh gonna get to that uh geez there's lots to talk about and and i should say those the podcast that i had done with colin i I don't know if colin's gonna have time to do podcasts anymore but because things are getting back to normal for him. He's got a kid. He's got a busy job. Uh, some other stuff going on in his life. So I don't know if Colin's going to have a chance. I mean, I'm sure at some point, but uh, not probably not regularly. Um, but what Colin and I were about to do, we were about to do a podcast on the 2006 Oilers. That is going to happen. I'm just going to ride solo on that one. So those podcasts are going to happen. 
Watch-alongs, I'm at least planning on doing them still. Uh, Podcast with Jason will continue whenever Jason uh, eventually has the time again. It it won't be soon. Um, It'll probably be in the fall, I would guess. Um, But we'll get back to them. Um, I mean, I think everybody understands. COVID's kind of put everything in limbo, and now everything getting back to where it was, everything again kind of goes up in the air. Um, But anyway, I'm back uh, for tonight. Anyway, we'll see how many of these I'll get to in the weeks and months to come. Obviously, there's going to be a hell of a lot more hockey to talk about. Um, I mean, it's back. The news came down today. The CBA is done. Uh, it's just got to go go to the votes for the PA and for the uh, Board of Governors, but it's it's done and uh, not really any changes to it. Um, so yeah, so I'll get I'll get to that. I mean, I got a lot of stuff in my notes uh, that I want to get to today. Um, yeah, I mean, I like I say, I I've just been grinding like a motherfucker on that draft stuff, um, among other things that have been going on in my life. Uh, yeah, you know, it's uh you know, I won't lie. There's uh there's been quite a bit of depression the last 2 months or so with me. Um you know, I I've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh you know, the, the COVID, I mean, I'm not trying to sound like this affected me and no one else. I know a lot of other people are in a very similar boat. To what I'm about to bitch about. So I don't want this to make it sound like I'm looking for sympathy or anything like that. I'm just saying why I haven't really done podcasts lately. Part of the reason. Um, you know, I, I, I've talked about I had a business deal that I was in the middle of right before all this happened. We had the letter of intent signed. It was It was about to be done. And then all this happened and it just basically completely uh i sound like i'm getting choked up but i just got a bit of a sore throat but it maybe it's covid um it uh it completely fucked that deal as far as i can tell at least for the time being um you know it's uh it, it completely fucked up uh my licensing that i i spent a year getting um they uh they're basically they're making me uh retake it all 2500 bucks it's a total cash grab uh, i'm not not too happy about it but i won't say what so i don't uh blow the opportunity to to be able to do the line of work that i want to do but yeah kind of bullshit everybody i've talked to about it says it's kind of bullshit majorly bullshit so i gotta do all that again i don't know how long that'll take it obviously won't take as long as the last time but it'll still take a lot of time um so yeah, so now I'm looking for a temp job and I'm not sure what exactly I should be doing. I got some things where I can make a lot of money, but I'll be, you know, probably away from home a lot to do it and everything. And so do I go with something that helps us just basically scrape by for a while and is local and you know, I just just a lot of so so I, I've been I've been struggling with uh, with depression because I basically don't know what to do. I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying at the same time. I'm trying to turn this into a business, and that's one of the options. Is I'm thinking, well, I know I won't make a lot of money doing a podcast, doing a blog, but it'll be some income. And you know, I was going to do this anyway, 
So why not just do it now? It's the worst possible time to uh, to be looking to to pick up sponsors and everything. I'm well aware of that. But, uh, you know, there's more that goes into it than just the money part, too. There's also just setting up the business in general and, and making sure you've got the proper equipment. You know, one of the things that uh, – one of the reasons the podcast slowed down in general, uh, you know, I had talked to Trevor Redden, my buddy, about maybe doing doing a podcast, and we're still going to. Uh, I talked to Peter Lubardius about doing another podcast, and, and I – think I can still get Peter on as long as he's not going to be in the bubble and that that remains to be seen I don't think they will be but I could be wrong about that um but yeah it uh, uh it, it uh, one of the reasons why I stopped doing them is because I wanted to start recording over Skype and if I'm going to be recording over Skype I want to have the best equipment possible so the interviews sound good so I sound more professional it's ironic doing these on on Anchor the way I'm doing it right now that's actually the best sound and it's a better sounding podcast than a lot of podcasts out there because the microphones in your phone this is an iPhone 11 uh it's it's a better microphone than a lot of microphones on the market so I, there's there's a microphone that I'm looking to get. It's uh, the one that Joe Rogan actually uses for his podcasts. Uh, I won't be getting like nine of them. I'm sure like Rogan has in his studio, but I want to get one of them for me. And uh, they're back ordered, <laughs> so I can't. So I've been waiting to get them, and every time I check the date on Amazon, it's like, yeah, you know, order it now, and uh, the, they should be in by. Oh, the date's changed every time. It's I think now it's saying later this week. It doesn't say later this week. It says something like July 11th or... Is it the 11th? 11th is Saturday. Something like that. Maybe it's the 10th. But uh, yeah, and so I'm kind of going, well, I don't know if I want to pull the trigger because it seems like this just kind of keeps getting pushed back. So I don't know. Anyway, so there's a lot of lot of shit going on, you know, depression and and <laughs> equipment issues and scheduling issues and just yeah, just a lot of stuff. Plus, it's not like there's a, you know, I don't mind taking a few weeks off when there's not really anything going on, not really anything to talk about. There are shows that I could have done, but it's probably best to focus my efforts elsewhere. Because uh, it does, you know, like I do spend a little bit of time for a podcast like this. I won't, uh, I won't edit this. There'll be no editing other than me putting this into my opening that I now produce. Uh, there won't be any editing on it. Um, so it, it does cut down the time, but you know, I, I write my notes out and if I want to do an hour, an hour and a half long show, I want to have enough notes and I want to stay on topic because as you've heard in the past, if you've listened, uh, I don't. <laughs> so, you know, it's, in fact, right now I'm all over the place. I'm I'm skipping all over the place uh, with this stuff. But anyway, you are listening to hear me talk about hockey. So let's get to it. I guess the first place I'll start, because I've been working so hard on my draft stuff, is I kind of want to talk about, first, how much I love the 2021 draft a, a year out. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. 
But, you know, nobody's really talking about this draft. It's sandwiched between the Lafreniere draft. You had the Hughes draft the year before, which Hughes, I don't know if Hughes will be the prospect that we once thought, but or the player that we once thought. But so you got the Hughes draft. Before that was the Darlene draft. You know, you've kind of had a stud at the top now for three drafts in a row, and then Shane Wright is coming in 2022 who could be another McDavid-like prospect. So everybody's overlooking 2021. Plus, there's nobody who's running away with 2021. Like, there's nobody running away with the top spot. But, or so I should say, maybe that part will get it out. Probably not, but we'll see. Uh <laughs> The 2021 draft is, I'm really excited about this, man. And it, it, fans won't be. And internet scouts, Twitter scouts, whatever you want to call them, they won't be. I love the way this draft is setting up. It's pro guys everywhere. Guys who play pro-style games. Unlike this year's draft, where you have so many junior-type games. Like, I don't like this 2020 draft past about my 10th guy. And I, I just believe there are a ton of guys whose games will not translate. Scouts are gushing over players who have, oh, they got such big shots, uh, which is a developable skill. They're gushing over, oh, these guys, so many of these guys are so good one-on-one. -on -one. Who the fuck, other than the elite of the elite, beats defenders one-on-one -on -one in the NHL. That is not the pro game. That's why so many Russian prospects do not pan out, is because that is their game. Complimentary wingers all over the place, and they are a fucking dime a dozen. And people are giddy. Like these guys are going to be franchise pillars. I, I just... Do not like this draft. I love the top 10. I absolutely love it. The, I've, what I've got for the top 10, I strongly believe, and, and I might go as far as to say the top 13 in general, uh, but it's the top 10 especially that I love. Top 13 I'm good with. The guy at 14, trust me if you're, you know, trust me if you're going to read it. You're going to want to check out what I have to say of the guy I got at 14. Because for a lot of people, there's some people who have him as high as five. Might even be higher than that. Might even be four for some people. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm saying, man, I got him at 14, but I'm here to tell you right now, there are red flags all over the place, and this guy has serious bust potential. Serious bust potential. I, I, as I say in the write-up, Let's not get it twisted. I got him at 14, not 114th. But still, the serious bust potential guy who a lot of people love. And I just, I did more homework on, much more homework on. And I went, oh shit. A lot of people have this wrong because they've just kind of made assumptions. I don't think they've actually truly scouted the kid. So watch out for that. And actually, I'm going to be putting out a podcast on my top 64. 
Uh, and also with my initial top 32 for 2021, hopefully by the end of the week. I always say that and rarely get around to it. But this time I'll actually have the time to do it because the top 64 doesn't have to be it. See, like, what I want to do is I want to do the podcast to accompany the top 64 list and have the link in the write-up. I'll have time to do that this time. Same thing with my top 32. I'm not in a rush to put out my top 32. Also, I did a, a top 10, my initial top 10 for my Western prospects. I don't know if I'm going to do those beyond this initial list. Um, if I do, I'll probably just do a top, uh, I don't know, knowing me, I shouldn't say that I'll limit myself like that. I get carried away and do bigger lists than I should a lot of the times and bigger write-ups than I should on kids a lot of the time. Uh, but anyway, I'm not writing for SPR this year. So, uh, I mean, that was the, that's why I started doing that was because Sean asked me to write on the Western kids, so I did. Um, but, yeah, he's... Uh, I don't know if he's not doing that or if he's going with someone else this year. Either way, it's fine. Uh, I didn't want to commit to him, quite frankly, for another year because I just I stress myself out if he's asking me to do it, if he needs me to do it. And, you know, I kind of that's why I like writing my for my site is because I can do it when I've got the time to do it. Uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of less of a burden on me this year. I had fun doing it, though, and I still want to do it because, man, the top kids in the West this year. If you include Kent Johnson, who's going to Michigan, so he won't count. But if you include Kent Johnson, five of Hockey Prospects' top seven on their initial top 32, and they're doing 32 this year because we're getting Seattle. Uh, Seattle will be picking in the 2021 draft. For the top 32, they've got five of seven, of the top seven, are Western Canadian kids. Kent Johnson from the BC League. You get Carson Lambos from Winnipeg. Dylan Gunther from Edmonton. I don't know if I'm going in the right order for Hockey Prospect. Cole Sillinger from Medicine Hat. And then Corson Kuhlemans from the Brooks Bandits is at seven. I do know that one. So it is a good year in the dub. Add to that, there's a stud goalie in the dub who might go in the first round. Add to that, in the, in the uh, import draft, the Vancouver Giants took Fabian Lysel, who is actually on Hockey Prospects list, I think. I'll look it up right now. I think Lysel is like 20th on their initial top 32 list for the draft. Just giving it a look. It's 20. Yeah, 20th. Whew. So, you know, add another damn good uh, prospect to the WHL prospects that are coming out this year i got a tickle in my throat man i hope it's not covid i really hope like that, that like i wouldn't be a fan of that um anyway enough draft stuff the cba got ratified or got done as i talked about earlier the only thing that surprised me is no compliance buyouts and actually, just before I did this, I wanted to listen 
to Elliot Friedman. Him and uh, David Amber did a hit, and just Friedman kind of went through it. He kind of talked about it, how one owner told, or one owner had his GM tell him that he hates this CPA. (laughs) And I get why. Here's where I think the league made a awful mistake that's going to bite them in the ass. I know right now why they don't want compliance buyouts. I get it. Nobody wants, like, if they would have put them in, the the owners with the deep pockets would have would have been able to to make their buyouts and so they would have been able to get down on the cap and owners without deep pockets wouldn't have been able to there would have there would have been for the first time since 2004 a very noticeable gap between the haves and the have-nots financially in the NHL there would have been and you know, as a fan of the Oilers, they selfishly, that would have been huge. But I mean, I totally get why the league wanted to avoid that. Here's the thing. There's two things to that, actually. One, I would have put them in and I would have put it in with a mechanism in place that basically give teams at least one and then say to the have-nots, essentially, you can you can trade your uh, your compliance buyouts with your player that you want to buy out to another team, and they can take on the financial burden. Obviously, you know you so you would have an owner like Daryl Cates who has deep pockets and is desperate to do anything he can to make the Oilers a winner, Ken Holland would probably have the ability to add a couple of really high draft picks in order to take on these these contracts that he could use compliance buyouts on. So that would have been my way around it. Yes, the deep pocket team still would have still would have uh been able to flex their financial muscles, but not nearly as much as if you would have just said, okay, two buyouts for two compliance buyouts for every team and you can't trade them. So, okay. So everyone like the Oilers, the Leafs, etc., like the Rangers, they would have just bought out all the guys they needed to buy out. And teams like Florida and Arizona and maybe Carolina. I'm not sure what Dundon's got. Dundon's cheap. I don't know if he doesn't have deep pockets, though. Uh, They would have been fucked, though. Anyone who doesn't have deep pockets would have been fucked. So at least if you could have traded them, and then the Torontos, Edmontons, New Yorks, Phillies, whoever, could have taken them on. And the more the more teams that would have been able to take on the buyouts, obviously the less the trade value is. So it wouldn't have cost an Arizona a ton of money or a ton of draft capital to trade Phil Kessel to get him bought out. Anyway, that's just my opinion. The other thing to that though, that I was going to say is that this is going to severely hurt player movement in the NHL. 
And while you can't put a financial, you know, you can't, you can't, what's the word I'm looking for? Not monetize it, but you can't really accurately say how much that impacts the bottom line. Getting buzz for your league, like the potential for moves, is huge. Ask the NBA. The NBA accidentally stumbled upon uh, all this player movement in the last, what, decade? You know, just because they, they wanted they wanted four-year max deals. They got them, and now all of a sudden players are going everywhere. And it's been massive for the NBA to – because, I mean, you think back, before this was happening, the NBA was kind of – kind of there with with MLB. Their finals ratings were still pretty good, but their TV ratings in general weren't, and it wasn't getting the coverage that it now gets. Now, everybody's talking NBA if they're not talking NFL, in the States, that is. You need to make news if you're a pro sports league. So no player movement, that's not going to be good for business for the NHL. Like, it's just not. And I, again, I'll say to this, compliance buyout should have been a thing. Should they have been a thing for this offseason? Probably not. But there should have at least been a mechanism in place that said once the cap goes up, for example, once, once things are better, you know, I don't know how you'd word it. But basically, once things get on better financial footing, then compliance buyouts would kick in. And whether you want to have it one one per team, two per team, whatever, there should have been something in place because, man, the cap not going up and everybody up against the cap or nearly everybody up against the cap is not going to be good for business. But obviously, the big deal to come out of this CBA is that the NHL is going back to the Olympics. Um, as I said in my piece on the potential Team Canada last week, check it out at soupsonhockey.com, um, this is zero surprise to me. This was done back in February. The league just knew they could hold on or hold it over the players' heads in negotiations. That was it. When those stories first came out, I think the first story came out on February 8th. Yes, February 8th. That was a Saturday. Because I started writing my blog on Team Canada 2022, the roster projection blog, on February 9th. So that's 100%. That's when it was. And I didn't get to it. And then I thought, well, you know, with COVID, I'll, I'll be able to get to it. And then TSN did theirs. And it's like, I'm not fucking doing one now. Because I don't, and I still have never looked at Team Canada. I think Craig Button picked the team. I've still never looked at theirs. I don't know how close mine was to theirs. I know Sportsnet, who did theirs the day after mine, sure was close to mine. How close? One player different. One on the entire roster. In fairness, they went with 14 forwards and eight defensemen, which was the setup for the last Olympics. I, I don't know if that will be the setup again. The Olympic rosters change every time. Remember 2006 and the question of who will be on the taxi squad? Yeah, 
that never happened again. You know, it, it's different every time. So we'll see how the rosters are this time around. Um, I can't remember if it was 14 and 8 for 2010. It might have been. It might have been it might have been 14 and 8 for every year, and that's totally fair. I went 13 and 7 just to be safe. And then I laid out everyone who I gave consideration to. Um, which by the way, even though I didn't have them on my team. Trust me when I say this, nobody thinks of this guy right now. Travis Konechny has a terrific shot of being on that team because he fits. Guys like Barzell, guys like Marner, I absolutely love them. But you have the three best centers in the world will be on that team, barring injury. They need guys who fit with them. And that, oh, I have been, I was anti that in 2014 like you wouldn't believe. And in 2010 and 2000, like go down the list. I hate that. But at the same time, it's like I'm thinking of Matt Barzell playing the wing with one of those three guys and I'm going, oh, that ain't going to work. That probably ain't going to work because... Sounds like Griff's disgruntled. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that probably won't work because Matt Barzell needs the puck on his stick. He can't play off the puck. Travis Konechny doesn't need the puck on his stick. Mitch Marner needs the puck on his stick. Though Mitch Marner has shown in the past he can play off the puck too. Travis Konechny, again, doesn't need it. You know, um, who was, oh, geez. I don't think Jaden Schwartz was on the team that I made. And Jaden Schwartz, another guy, he is going to have a terrific shot at being on this team because he's just such an easy guy to play with, and that matters. You know, it just it just matters a ton. So anyway, it, it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, like, like I say, I got off track there. Um, kind of went down the sports night rabbit hole and then everything. But, uh, yeah, the, the league's so new back in February. It was so funny. I even said it at the time. Immediately when Friedman had that report that the IOC had agreed, uh, had made concessions or was going to make concessions to the NHL to get them back, I said right away, oh, they're going. They're going because this is like everything that they wanted. They would they want the ability to to show highlights and they want the ability to I think they would they'd be able to sell Olympic jerseys and things like that. Just and I, I think insurance was a big one, I remember. And so I'm pretty sure that the IOC is gonna get the bill uh for the insurance for the players and just just things like that. It's it's basically going to make a lot more financial sense for the league to go now. Um, but yeah, they knew that. And it, it was just they were they were holding out to the CBA negotiations. Ironic that the CBA negotiations got moved up thanks to COVID. Uh, and here we are. Like they, they, they weren't gonna miss out. The owners weren't gonna miss out on a chance to gain popularity in the Chinese market. Are you kidding me? Like, come on, every business in the world wants in the Chinese market. The Olympics are in China. They weren't going to miss out on that. 
Uh, yeah. So anyway, that was. But yeah, the the sports thing. I think the only player that I had that they didn't was Taves, and that's a huge mistake. Do people realize how good Jonathan Taves still is? I know we've gone through the whole Jonathan Taves is badly overrated phase, but now we get now it's kind of like well, Jonathan Taves is badly underrated, maybe. Like I I, I realize he he wasn't the best player in the world as some were saying that he was. But if you look right or for this season, if you look at let's go franchise well no, let's go more filters on NHL.com and let's go just Canada and let's go with just centers. Where does Jonathan Taves rate statistically? We know Jonathan Taves is one of the best defensive forwards in the game. Statistically, Jonathan Taves for centers that are Canadian-born was 10th in scoring, tied with Tavares and Barzell. How many of you knew that? Played one less game than O'Reilly. O'Reilly had one more point. They got Nugent Hopkins on here as a center. He's actually a winger. He did the large majority of his damage as a winger. Stamkos, I would have as a winger on the team. Shifley, I would have as a winger on the team. Braden Point, I would have as the fourth-line center on the team. I believe that Jonathan Taves should be... Now, this is a year and a half away. So, obviously, he could fall off. But with the way Jonathan Taves skates, and as I said in the write-up, all his experience, two Olympic gold medals, he was... Probably their best forward at the 2010 Olympics. Three Stanley Cups. Like, we're not just, we're not splitting hairs when we say he's got a lot of experience. He has an insane amount of experience. So, as long as he can still skate and as long as he's still at least a stud. 200 feet like he currently is. I'm taking him over Ryan O'Reilly, and I am a massive Ryan O'Reilly fan. But Ryan O'Reilly on the big ice is not a good idea. John Tavares, as I said, he's not on my team because on the big ice, that's probably not a good idea. I'm okay with John Tavares being on the team. You want to put first line? You want to put Stamkos, McDavid, and Tavares? I'm cool with that. That makes that's awesome. I I advocated for Stamkos, Crosby, and Tavares uh, with the 2014 team. I was all about that. You put Stamkos and Tavares on their off wings, and you get, and you have a guy like Crosby. Should be a field day setting those two up. Not to mention Tavares is high, high, high IQ guy. Maybe the highest IQ in the league. Hockey IQ that is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It, uh, I don't know what else to say. I, I, I wouldn't do this, but would you possibly run McDavid, Sid and McKinnon as a line? Because then like, it's, it's like a nuclear deterrent, man. Probably the three best players in the league. 
as a line. Like, and, and with, with the amount of talent you have, I mean, are, are you really, are you really hurting your team? If you're then going, say, Shifley, Barzell, and Point as your other centers, like, you know, Sagan is going to get a look because of his speed, and he's pretty experienced. Yeah, it's 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 going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. Nice to have them back, but I I'm not. It's nice to be officially back, but I'm not surprised, obviously, at all um, that they are. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what else to say about the roster. The D was – everybody's kind of have the same D. Yeah, I I had Riley and Doughty. I had – I shouldn't be doing this off the top of my head, but I am. I had more did I have Morrissey or Theodore on the second pair. It doesn't really matter between those two, I don't think. Uh, and I think Petrangelo is the second line or is the second pair right shot D-man. And then the third pair, again, was either Thor- Theodore or Morrissey and <sighs> Makar was, uh, was my bottom pair guy. And then Shabbat is the number seven. If I had to pick a number eight... I mean, Dougie Hamilton should be on that team. Dougie Hamilton, without a doubt, should be on that team. If I'm picking the team, I think Hamilton is in McCarr's spot, and then McCarr is the number eight if they're if they're going eight. Um, I guess up front, if you're going to go 14, I had O'Reilly as my 13th forward. Uh, the 14th guy probably for me would would be, well, right now, connect near Schwartz. But also, as I said in the write-up, you know, the only reason I didn't put Lafreniere on the team is because uh, it's just, like, I can't say for sure. Like, it's tough to, it's tough to say. Like, he's without a doubt going to be in the mix, and he's that good where in a year and a half he'll he'll definitely be getting consideration. It's it's how he'll perform in the fall of his second season, though. That will make or break him. His rookie year won't matter. It'll it'll be how he performs in the fall, unless his rookie year, of course, is just a nightmare. But can't see it. That kid's the real deal. Oh, jeez, I'm just skipping all over the place here. I, the the one thing that I haven't heard yet, though, is. I'm the only one to speculate on who the GM might be. I said George McPhee, and I had Dave Tippett as my coach. But if McPhee's the co- or the GM, then it probably means one of Gerard Gallant, who was, you know, I know he got fired in Vegas, but he was McPhee's guy, or Peter DeBoer will be the coach. And I'm okay with either of those guys. DeBoer's done a great job in San Jose, you know, we'll see how he does in Vegas. The early returns were good. And Gallant, I mean, and the players seem to love Gerard Gallant. Absolutely love him. So, you know, we'll see. But, you know, maybe McPhee's like, you know what? I, I, I don't want it to be one of my own guys. I want it to be someone from another team. So that's that's where Tippett might come in again. You know what? I, well, no, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> I did think uh, when I was 
write in the blog, you know, Babcock's probably still not going to be coaching, and he coached the last two, but I don't think, PR-wise, I just don't think they could do it. They'd get way too much backlash, even though what Babcock did to Marner, it was such an asshole move, and yes, he does seem like a pretty huge asshole, but let's not make him out to be a murderer here. Like, it wasn't that bad. Like, (laughs) you know, I'm pretty sure when I've been driving before, I've cut someone off and then flipped them off. It's an asshole move. But I don't think the person's response, if the person's response was to track me down and shoot me in the skull, it kind of wouldn't be appropriate. You know, like, yeah, Mike Babcock what a jackass move and and you know he seems like an ass or from all accounts apparently he's an asshole in real life i don't know i've never met him even though his family or he's married a woman from lloyd uh and i i got buddies who have met him before and haven't said a bad word but uh yeah it's uh <laughs> i it would get backlash but it shouldn't but it would so yeah, I, I, Kai's still a hell of a coach. I don't, you know, I, I don't think he was doing a good job with the Leafs at the end, but I think he's still a good coach. Anyway, um, you know, I'm talking all this Olympic talk and draft talk because, frankly, like, I, I don't really know what to say about the playing round that I haven't already said. Uh, it's exciting as hell that we're getting not just hockey back going, but all sports. I and, mean, like, you know, it's been a brutal four months for everyone. And like I talked about off the top, like I, you know, it, it killed my business deal. Like that was done. It was going to be done. And it might, that might've been a blessing, but still at the moment it sucks. Um, completely fucked my licensing that I spent a year working on again. You know, um, don't have a job at the moment. You know, like I said, been looking for some temporary work, uh, trying to turn this into into a business in the meantime. Uh, yeah, sports are sports are badly needed for for me right now, and I'm sure they're badly needed for anyone who is a fan. By the way, I wouldn't be recording this podcast if I wasn't fine. I know I've brought up depression here a couple times, last few times I've I've recorded, but uh, you know it's. I'm not bringing it up because I'm looking for sympathy. In fact, I that's the last thing that I'd want. I would feel ridiculous if someone texted me and said, hey, are you doing okay? Yeah, yeah. Like, just, you know, like, I said it on the podcast, but I don't need to be reminded of the kind of thing. You know, like, I, I appreciate the sentiment. Don't get me wrong. I told I. I big time appreciate, you know, people reaching out, but you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I'm not, I'm not doing this as a cry for help. That's for sure. Um, you know, and one of the things that helps with that actually is, you know, things are getting back to normal. Like, um, Sunday night, Steph and I, we had our first real date since probably at least March. Um, OJ's for supper, nine o'clock movie. You know, that's, that's kind of our regular date night. And before anyone says, uh, 
gamble, you cheap fuck, or you non-creative fuck. Like, why don't you guys? That's that's what she loves to do. If it was up to me, we'd just go for dinner. She loves to go to the movie too. No, I would come up with something. But anyway, crushed a pulled pork at OJ's, couple of whiskeys. Woo! Fuck me, was that good. And then, like, nothing new is in the theater, so we went to Deadpool. I hate saying this. That was my first time seeing it. I know, I know. Actually... I sat down to watch it when it first was on demand. And I saw the first scene. Something came up, never got back to it. I I am awful for watching new movies. Movies are better than TV shows for me. Because, as I said, Steph loves going to the theater. So we do go to the show quite a bit. Um, new TV shows, I, I am so awful. I'm so awful. I've, like, I'm just weird, man. I don't know. If I'm not doing anything on, like, this week, Steph's at the lake. I'm chilling at home. And like I said, I finished up all my draft stuff. I'm probably going to have a lot of downtime here. It's kind of, it's part of the reason I'm doing a podcast. I got a lot of time to do it. Uh, (laughs) But, like, so, like, a lot of time to kill. I work out, you know, take Griffey for, I can't say, what I'll take him for because he's sleeping right beside me right now. If I say the W word, he'll spring up and I won't be able to make him quit pawing at me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'll do all that stuff, but, you know, I'll have a lot of downtime. So, like, what do I do? Well, do I watch a new movie? No, no. I, I would watch, like, the other guys. I would watch Superbad. I would watch Knocked Up. I would watch... uh, What's another one? That Moneyball. I would watch Goon. Even though I don't even like Goon. I still watch it from time to time. I'd watch reruns of Family Guy. I'd definitely watch The Office. I bet... Steph and I just kind of it's just become a thing we got we went through it was her second time going through the office here over the whole covid months here and we finished it and so what did i do i just started it right back from the start because i just i never get sick of it it's so weird i get sick of everything i never get sick of the office and (laughs) so we're watching what episode was it last night we were watching? Oh, the one with, where Jim had the party in the second season where Michael's not invited, goes to his improv class. Ken Jong's one of the guys in there. It's Anyway, <laughs> I said to her, I'm like, I bet I have watched this season. I bet I've watched it like 30 times. That's not over-exaggerating. I bet I've watched it 30 times. Because when I first got into the office, I was in on the office early. The girl I was dating at the time in 2005, it came out in the spring of 2005. And when the commercial started running for it, I remember going, that show is going to be awesome. And she agreed. We're both like, yep, that's, that's going to be our show. We are going to watch the fuck out of that. The only thing that was weird was like, it was a mid-season show. Mid-season shows are never good. 
You know, I, I remember Third Rock from the Sun was like the first mid-season show that I remember succeeding. And I never watched Third Rock from the Sun, but everything that I could tell from it, it should not have succeeded at all. But it did. But The Office, that was the only weird thing about The Office, is it came out mid-season, and they only did eight episodes. Like, what? Or was it even six episodes? I'm trying to think now of that first season. But anyway, so I didn't end up, we didn't end up starting to watch it. The first episode her and I watched was in the second season. We watched, what was the episode? Where they all bring their kids to, to work. I was going to say to school. They all bring their kids to, to work, which might have been the worst episode of that season, yet I still loved it. And, <laughs> and so that next fall, I just, for whatever reason, I made an effort. I'm like, okay, I am going to watch this show. I know this is going to be deadly. I'm going to watch this show. And I think, no, I did buy the first season first. But I got the second season, and I just watched the shit out of it. I don't know how else to explain it. So I've owned the second season since probably the fall of 2006, maybe Christmas 2006, somewhere in there, although I didn't get it as a gift. I ordered it. But, yeah, somewhere in there is where I started watching and then I picked up the third season I didn't get in on the third season right at the start either the first episode from the third season I I watched or when I started officially watching was why am I running down this by the way but anyway I think when I first started watching again or full-time it was the episode where they have Phyllis and Bob's bachelor and bachelorette party I think that was the first one. So, yeah. I only bring that up because I know everyone loves The Office, and if they don't, they're... I don't want to say idiots, because I know one girl who I'm good friends with, it's my buddy's wife, she refuses to watch it, so I don't want to call Brittany an idiot, but... I would call Brittany an idiot to her face when she says that she refuses to watch The Office. So. <laughs> she's not an idiot. She's a great girl. But she's an idiot for not watching The Office. Don't tell her I said that, Joel, please, if you're listening. <laughs> okay. Back to regularly scheduled programming here as I took that walk down memory lane. Um... Did any one of you check out the blog that I did on the Lafreniere power rankings? Because that's the fun part. I, didn't, I, I should have done a post-draft lottery. For those who didn't read my blog, like, holy shit, did the league fucking lock out. And, every, and I know there's people out there, Jeff Merrick's one of them. There's people out there who agree with that, who have already said that. Like, I'm fully in that camp. And I'm sorry to Berkey. Where the league fucked up, the league did massively fuck up here. But where the league fucked up, people are missing on it. It's not that the teams who lose out, 
the Pittsburghs, the Edmontons, the Torontos. It's not that the teams who lose out of the play-in round have a shot at him. That part's fine. What I don't get is why they wouldn't have said, okay, whoever the eight teams are who lose in the play-in round, we will then weigh it in order of their final point percentage. So let's say Pittsburgh loses and then Minnesota, because I don't think that's a lottery-protected pick. Let's say Minnesota, who has their pick. People have forgot this. That must be a lottery-protected pick now that I'm bringing this up. Why was I not prepared for that part of it? I never gave that any thought at all. Let's see. Minnesota, cap friendly, go down. Yes, it must be. Yes. Conditional pick. If Pittsburgh misses the 2019 playoffs, Pittsburgh has the option to send their 2021st. Yes. So, which Minnesota wants because who the hell knows? Maybe next year's a disaster for Pittsburgh. And it ends up being a lot, you know, damn good pick, much like San Jose's did. Anyway, uh, where was I? Well, the power rankings. But, like, where the league should have fucking had a heads up is, okay, so if Pittsburgh is one of the eight teams, they have the lowest odds. Not every team should have 12.5%. That's fucking ridiculous. Should they have a shot at winning the pick if they lose out of the the playing round? Absolutely. And, you know, they should be the... They should have the 15th pick or whatever it'll be, but, and they will, or the, I can't even, I don't even know why I just said they will. And I'm not editing this because I'm an idiot. <laughs> but like for every team to have 12.5%, that's so dumb. That is so dumb. I'm not complaining because I'm an Oilers fan. And you know what? Honestly, if Calgary loses out as I, I have them too, and they have that 12.5% chance, and they win, honestly, that wouldn't even scare me. I had Calgary pretty high. Like, I don't think, if you're an Oilers fan, I don't think there's a lose situation there. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, Pittsburgh and Toronto are both in the East. Carolina, I think I had just ahead of Edmonton as not needing him, basically. They're in the East. The Rangers, East. You know, like any of the teams in the West who might win him, uh, it's not really a threat to the Oilers. It's just not. It's, you know, Winnipeg might be the, the, the one. But, yeah, Vancouver. I forgot about Vancouver. Vancouver would be tough. But I honestly, going forward, like, I... I like what Vancouver's done. At the moment, though, I don't think they're going to be Edmonton because Edmonton's blue line is going to be fucking tremendous. Vancouver's blue line is fine. Quinn Hughes is fine. You can't use him in every situation. He's going to get more exposed, as often happens with, you know, undersized, highly skilled players. You know, even Eric Carlson, you know, it's he had his moments, you know, he had his seasons where he looked awful. 
despite having his seasons where he looked like a top three player in the world. So, anyway, every team having 12.5%. It's just hilarious. There, It's no lose now for the Oilers. They lose to Chicago. That's kind of... It's kind of worth getting the shot at Lafreniere. Like it is. Like it's just. It's. I know it's only twelve point five percent, but you know, in the worst case scenario, there you're picking top fifteen. So that's that's not bad. And as I did right before I did this podcast tonight, I was doing my mock draft. And again, I should not be doing a mock draft when I don't know who has the first pick. But I'm doing it anyway because it's fun. So anyway, and one of the fun things that I put in the mock this time is I put, for every team, I put an other option. So, for example, at five, I got Ottawa taking Jamie Drysdale. Other option, Marco Rossi. And then I put possible reach. And so I've got possible off-the-board pick for all these teams. And I, I don't know why, but I've just had such a blast trying to come up with who these teams would reach on. You know, like, I don't want to give a bunch of these away, but <laughs> on the other hand, I'm kind of itching to. Uh well, I mean, I I talked about it with the the mini mock draft that I did. Like Anaheim's is Caden Gooley because th- they really need defensemen. I think teams are going to reach for defensemen in this first round, and and there's a ton of ties to the Anaheim Ducks front office and the PA Raiders organization. So I think there is a very good chance that if they don't like. If things don't fall a certain way, or especially the way I've got them, I, I have Drysdale and uh, and Sanderson both going in the top five. Spoiler alert. So, but I mean, I had that on my mini mock as well. Have it on this one too. That leaves the door open for Gooley to possibly go at six. Because trades don't happen. Teams don't trade up and down in the draft. It just doesn't happen anymore. So teams reach. Here's the other thing. Teams are going to be up against cap. So teams won't be able to trade. It'll severely limit player movement. That creates another strong possibility that these teams are going to reach on what they need. Jersey with the 11th, well, the 10th pick. Jersey ends up with the 10th pick that they would get from Arizona. As long as it doesn't win Lafreniere, it, uh, that'll, be, that'll be Jersey's pick at 10. And I have them reaching on a guy. Like, not as a possible reach. I have them legit reaching on a guy. Because I went, I, I did it, I did a dry run, and I went, man, Jersey really has to fill that need and they can't do it at 17, so if they're not going to do it at 7, they've got to do it at 10. So there you go. You know, but anyway. How did I get going on this? Anyway, it's 
that's going to be fun to finish up. And, uh, yeah, again, the, the whole... The whole thing is just mind blowing. That, and if if the Oilers don't win that pick, man, I hope Montreal does. It just it just would be awesome, awesome for the league if Montreal won. And I know I've gone on this podcast before, and I've berated the Canadians for the fact that they have had one foot in and one foot out on a rebuild for about twenty five years now. And it's just ridiculous at this point that they don't finally realize they need to blow it up. And if they miss on the, if they don't win this pick, which I think is more, much more valuable to them than beating Pittsburgh and getting in the playoffs, I think they badly need to win this pick. And if they don't, they're in, I mean, they were in trouble to begin with, but it just, it would be so huge for them. It would be so huge for them. Um, fuck, I'm going to go back to that mock for a minute. And a little sneak, because I know people want to know. So I'll fi- I'll finish with this. Actually, I'm going to finish it. I had some thoughts on the Hall of Fame. Because I never got to that. But a uh, little sneak pe- preview from the mock. Since a, since a lot of people listening are Oilers fans. I ended up mocking... Because assuming the Oilers end up with their pick, which would be it'd end up at twenty, if you know, assuming they beat Chicago, and assuming they don't go on a deep run, they would end up with the twentieth pick. Ended up mocking Rodion Amirov to the Oilers. I personally do not love that, but I believe they'll go skilled winger, which that's this draft. It's loaded with skilled wingers. And he's right in that range on McKenzie's list. Not for me. He's 30th on my final list, on my final top 64. And if you've read any of those lists, you know how I feel about Russian forwards. I, They're so risky, and especially ones like Amirov. But he was the pick. That's the way it fell. For me, I would take Ozzy Weisblatt. But while I have him 16th, he's 40th on McKenzie's, and I think the Black Book, too, Hockey prospect, they put him around 40, which I don't understand. Uh, especially when, like, I've never read a bad word about him. Nobody has a bad word. Even those guys that have him ranked to 40, they don't have a bad word to say about him. He's just such a well-rounded winger. And, you know, I, yeah, I don't get it. I, I would, he would fit perfectly with the Oilers. Absolutely perfectly. But I think that would be viewed, that would be a pretty big reach according to Bob's list. And that's, and that's how I did this mock is I just basically looked at what teams' needs are, how they draft, and then looked at Bob's list. That's basically how I do every mock draft. I don't go off anyone else's list. Bob's list is NHL scouts. That's how Bob compiles his list. So, of course, I'm going to go off that. Um, another guy who makes a lot of sense for the Oilers would be Ridley Gregg. But he went to Nashville two picks prior on my mock. Again, little sneak preview of it. Um, fuck though, like he would he would fill a lot of lot of voids. They need they have a big need for a three C. 
And he has the makings of just a perfect one. He puts players' heads on a swivel, and that is so tough to find. My comp for Ridley Gregg is Braden Shen. He's not anywhere near as developed physically as Braden Shen was. Uh, Braden Shen was a man already when he was drafted. Ridley Gregg is, at last check, I want to say 159 pounds at five foot eleven. Now, we didn't have the combine weigh-in, so don't know how outdated that is, but... I mean, the the way the kid plays, it's such a it's such a pro game. And he's one of those guys who, you know, he's not overly skilled, but you get the sense that he could end up being a guy, I'm not saying stylistically, but he could end up being a guy like a Ryan O'Reilly where he's just that elite two-way center. Like, it just has, I have that feeling that he could become that or have a feeling that he could become that. And if not, there's the other thing with really Greg. A lot of people like him as a winger. And, I mean, that's not a surprise that a center can make the move to wing. That's not exactly a newsflash. But, I think, like, what I'm saying is he could be, he could probably be a top six winger. And if you had a bruising top six winger, I mean that's a that'd be a valuable piece. He wouldn't he wouldn't skill his ways to goals, but he would be that perfect like he'd be such an easy guy for someone like McDavid or someone like Drysettle to play with. But man, man, they need a center. I know some people out there will be screaming, What about Connor Zary? I not that down on him. He, he's still 27th on my final list. But I just don't believe he has the offensive upside to be anything more than a 3C. And I think most think that he carried Sintazo and Franklin this season because nobody's ever heard of them outside of the Lloydminster, Marwain region. Um, but they carried him as much as he carried them. And I think that's a big misconception that is helping Zary get ranked higher than maybe he should. Like his even strength scoring wasn't anything to get too excited about. And he's similar even strength numbers. I, I made this comp when I've been making my case for Jack Finley all like since midseason. Jack Finley, I think, had one less even strength point than Connor Zary. And he's a full year younger. And he's five inches taller. And he's a better skater i don't should i call him a better skater he's as good of a skater he's as fast of a skater with much more potential when you watch them much more potential with finley to become the much better skater because finley you can tell his stride he just he lacks that power he he's his strength hasn't caught up to his size yet finley needs more time than zary does but in time, I think Finley's going to be a much better, well, at least prospect, but probably pro player. So I, if Zary was the pick for the Oilers, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be kicking and screaming. I wouldn't snap like I did about Broberg last year, which was a mistake. You know, the the more I've given the Broberg thing time, the more I've been okay with the pick because I. The more I thought about it, the more I've seen, like, okay, I, I get what they were thinking there now. 
They were thinking, and I've seen this with a lot of guys in this year's draft, the floor and ceiling are extremely high. I've made this case with Byfield over Stutzel. Is Byfield's floor and ceiling are both higher than Stutzel's. Most people think Stutzel is going to be the better player, and I get that. But the ceiling and the floor are both higher. So is that not the much safer bet? Like you're getting upside. Like that's the thing, Broberg. We're so many of us, and I say us because I had him, I think, 19th last year or 17th, somewhere in there. So many of us made the mistake on Broberg last year is we got so caught up and, you know, he's he's not looking like he's that skilled. Like we're all expecting him to be this number one defenseman. And when he wasn't, it's like, wow, this kid's not going to be much. But the fact is the kid's still going to be Jay Bomeister. He's a fucking Jay Bomeister clone. And if you take your time with him and develop him properly and he's extremely coachable as he seems to be then that skill the skill that's required that is for him to become a number one defenseman will come he's never going to be a high skill guy but it will come to the point where he's a good puck mover and he's good maybe on the on the first or second power play unit more skilled than Oscar Clefbaum, and Oscar Clefbaum is on the top power play unit for the Oilers. Anyway, um, the Hall of Fame, before I'm done, the Hall of Fame. You know, we've been doing those podcasts, Colin and I, and then Jason and I, and on both of them, the th- well, even though we've never been on as a trio, the three of us have all talked about how we're small hall guys. And I've, you know, mocked some of the guys who are in there, you know, Guy Carboneau, Clark Gillies, Bernie Federico, Rogi Vashon. Uh, oh, there was one a couple years ago. Now it's slipping my mind. Was it Dick Duff who made it in? Um, who's the guy? Oh, why am I blanking on his name? Former Leaf back in the day. And I mean, way back in the day, um, Bob Pulford. Like guys like that are in the hockey hall of fame. And I'm sure I'm missing many more, who you know, same boat. Um, so I don't think Kevin Lowe should be a hall of famer, but by their criteria, He's a Hall of Famer. And by their criteria, I'll tell you, the guy, I was surprised Doug Wilson never got in. Because Doug Wilson was one of the best defensemen in the NHL throughout the 80s. Won a Norris Trophy in 82, I believe. That was, that caught me a little off guard. I, I, I guess I knew that he wasn't in there. But it's just like, oh, yeah. He's not in there. That's bullshit. Because I didn't see him play, but I've gone back. I'm a hockey history buff, and I especially got into 70s and early 80s hockey pretty recently throughout the COVID stuff, but even before then I was getting into it. And, yeah, Doug Wilson 
definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. This is an all-world defenseman. This guy wasn't far off, in my opinion, from what I can tell, this guy wasn't far off what Ray Bork was. As far as that, like, just that defenseman you could put in any situation and he's going to thrive. One of the best shots in the league from the point throughout the 80s. One of the best defensemen, just tough minutes defensemen throughout the 80s. Doug Wilson absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. And like I said, by their criteria, Kevin Lowe should be too. I have no problem with Marion Hosa. I obviously have no problem with Jerome McGinley. Um, I guess Alfredson didn't make it because of the numbers. Like because there was enough, you know, they, they filled their quota. But Daniel Alfredson's a Hall of Famer. The one that I'll never understand is Alex McGillney being left out. Like, if you're going to go big haul, fine. I'm starting to kind of come around to, okay, it's never going to change. So this is the criteria, and we just got to live with it and roll with it. And who's a Hall of Famer? You know, Guy Carbono's a Hall of Famer. Great. Whatever. Now who? Joel Otto? Craig McTavish? They were his equal throughout the 80s and early 90s as a defensive center. You know, you you want to open Pandora. Some people out there right now, they're saying, what? And I'm thinking, yeah, you want to open Pandora's box. Here you go. This is what they've done. But McGillney, I mean, that one, because it's not just the numbers, it's the story too. And then Alfredson, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. But what I do get is that I'm done for the night. Ah, I made it through a podcast and I didn't go forever. I'm not sure. I had to stop at one point. Right now, my clock's showing 47.50. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly how long this is going to be. I think it's, I think the first, I think I did it for like 25 minutes. So obviously it'll be over an hour, but this is like a good time. This is just, this is just a good time to end it. To end the podcast right here. I'm going to try. I'm not going to make any guarantees. Because I've said this so much in the past. I'm going to try to put out the 2006 Edmonton Oilers episode. That originally Colin and I were going to do. Then Colin ran out, you know, didn't have time to do it. So I was fully intending to do it by myself. I'm going to try to put out that piece. Or that podcast. Been doing a lot of blogs lately. I am also going to put this week, this for sure, I know I'm going to do this. A podcast on my top 64 prospects. A podcast on my initial top 32 for 2021. Again, I love that draft. Maybe do one about the mock draft, just because it's interesting. Um. yeah, there's a lot of shows I could do. And then, of course, is training camp start up on, is it the 13th that they decided on? I think it's the 13th. It's no longer the 10th. So I want to say 13th or 15th, something like that. Anyway, once they start up, obviously there will be a ton more to talk about, and we're really going to get rolling. Um, and, yeah, hopefully my microphone, my good microphone, I can buy it and I can get back on track. I want to interview 
guys, I want to get into more of that. And a very excellent microphone will definitely help that. So, thank you for listening and look forward to a ton more content that will be coming out. Um, I didn't say it off the top, but again, the whole like, share, subscribe, five-star rating on... uh, on Apple Podcasts, whatever you can do to support the show, it is greatly appreciated. Please do. I really appreciate it. I got to get better at asking people for favors. I'm getting better at that. I don't like doing it still, but I'm getting better at that. Yeah. Thanks for listening. It's been a blast being back with you, and we'll check you next time.